Welcome to Let's Get Social with me, Philip Twyver, to the Curly Marketer, social media strategist and management. And me, Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media, your social media personal trainer. So if you're confused about social media or not sure what channels to use, well, we've got you covered on Let's Get Social. Afternoon, afternoon, Emer. Ah, somebody's in a good mood. Got the Friday feeling. Oh, God, yeah. God, tomorrow's Saturday. Great, actually. Um, Actually, talking of Saturday and tomorrow, it's World Emoji Day. You love emojis, don't you, Emer? Did they say a picture says a thousand words? So there you go. I have a question. What is the most used emoji? I don't know, but uh, I could give you a list, potentially. Maybe some top 10 Will we, will we split it up between us and tell the tell the audience of what some of the, the top emojis are? How did you get these lists? Were you, were you at my desk, were you? <laughs> I was. I have your office bugged. I need to kind of <laughs> sound intelligent. Okay, go on. You go for it. You start. Okay. So the thumbs up emoji. Will I ever get one from my joke seamer? Um, no. Going south. <laughs> Okay, there's the face blowing kiss emoji. Ah, oh, look who's starting to show emotion. You've never showed any emotion towards my joke except anger. So, uh. no, I'm starting to cry here. Um, <clears throat> next <laughs> is the next emoji. You're a loudly crying face. Of yeah, that's the sadness. Me. Yeah, that's you. Yeah, that's me. That's me. Um, the two hearts emoji representing a romantic relationship, just like us, Emer. You know, you know, we're, we, uh-huh. we love it. We love what we do. We're great friends. You know, it's a symbol of our warmth. Until I tell my joke and then it's utter hatred. Uh, Mm. The folded hands emoji, high five or maybe thank you, responding to niceness. Well, I suppose we're we're very nice to each other, aren't we? So I always thought that you were praying all the time when when you send that. I said, why is he keeps praying? Has he got something to tell me? You might like the joke, but maybe not. Mm, We'll we'll move on. Um, So, oh my God, this actually feels like a bit of the top of the pops. So the fifth one on the list is the smiley face with smiley eyes emoji. So you talk about the comfort zone. So are you in your comfort zone? I am. Okay. Rolling (laughs) on the floor, laughing emoji, which is the R-O-F-L. And yes, I know you want me to, but I don't. That's the one I'm aiming for. (laughs) That's my goal on the show is to get you with the R-O-F-L emoji. Yeah, (laughs) it's got to be a good joke. And uh, I don't think that's. Okay. Number three, smiling face with heart eyes emoji. When somebody sends us something that we like and love, and you're never going to get that with the jokes. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Really, all of these emojis have suddenly made me realize how pants my jokes are. <laughs> uh, so is, there a pa- is there a pants emoji? I haven't looked. There probably is. Shorts, maybe, oh. I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and in a two is the red heart emoji. People usually follow things that makes their hearts happy. Ah. Uh, yeah. And so- then drum roll. And at number one, it's the tears of joy. And it's probably every time we finish on Friday, you have that emoji. Exactly. When I've yeah. told my joke and we've moved on from that episode, you've got tears of joy that we've moved on to the serious part of the show. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of the serious part of the show, Emer, mm-hmm. it's that time again. Oh, no, it's not. Oh, yes, it is. It's the digital giggle. Red alert! I'm off to check the rest of the emojis out. No, well, like we have been talking of emojis, Emer, and Mm -hmm. some big news recently. They've brought out a new one for dairy farmers. No, no, they have not. (laughs) Oh my God, you're such a pantomime. That's terrible. (laughs) Yes, this this new one for the dairy farmers is called an emoji. I know, Emer. I know. I know, I have no doubt all the sheep farmers will be shaking their head at how bad that I'm joke doing, was. I'm doing the little monkey with the hands over the face <laughs> emoji, you know, that way. So you just feel my pain out there, okay? Yeah. Um, and all I have to say is, if you find today's emoji joke anyway engaging, and we'd love more of them, uh, no, you're not. You don't want them. I know you don't. You can catch Philip's previous jokes and indeed our other shows by hopping on to the Let's Get Social podcast on Podbeam, iTunes, Spotify, and the Dublin South FM website. So as I always say, scroll through there in the first three minutes and you'll be grand. Or give me a thumbs up. 
you might be waiting. Uh, anyway, let's move on because we want to keep our guest waiting. Uh, today we have Kim Scavalier. Scavalier. Um, I know I've got her name wrong. Anyway, Scavalier. <laughs> I've got a thumbs down for that one. Founder and CEO of Trust Communications located in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. That's one place I always wanted to go to because I heard there's lots of places that you can go and meet friends and say cheers. You be um, an alcoholic kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> One more than uh, Dublin. Um, so as a digital strategist, Kim keeps nonprofits pushing forward online and communicating, educating and connecting in meaningful ways. Her areas of expertise include digital strategy and action plans, nonprofit marketing, coaching and consulting, educational program design, online learning, blended learning. And that's not all. She is also managing partner of the Canadian Diversity Initiative, is a social enterprise committed to helping foster diverse, respectful workplaces and communities through education. This collaborative online platform presents a variety of online training courses created and endorsed by respected Canadian nonprofits. So without further ado, and hopefully we haven't scared or I haven't scared Kim away with that shocking joke, Welcome to Let's Get Social, Kim Scaravelli. Ooh, excellent pronunciation. <laughs> Thank Hi. you, Kim. Listening, Emer? Yeah. <laughs> I got it wrong. I even said it before I came on. I'm <laughs> Just for once, I got a, I got a guest <laughs> name right. I'm so happy, Kim. It's great. I'm glad your name was Scaravelli. <laughs> oh, fantastic to be here. And uh, actually, it's super exciting to feel like I'm doing anything because with COVID, you don't have as many conversations with people anymore. It's just how it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm excited. Well, it's great to have you, Kim. Uh, thank you so much for for joining us. And yeah, it's um it, it's always great to have other experts, especially from other parts of the world, um, to come on and share their knowledge with us. So we really appreciate you sharing your time with us. Yes, indeed. And I have to say, I came across Kim on Twitter, and she was laying down some really good social media jokes, Philip. So I wanted to ask her, how do you rate our digital and social media comedian, Kim? Well, as we all know, <clears throat> when it comes to humor, bad is good and, and good is is adequate. So I would say he's fantastic. <laughs> there you go. I'm a mover and shaker. It's shocking. <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Listen, move it on there. Emer. I am. I'm you going know, to have on. to because I'm going to fall off my chair at this stage. <laughs> so anyway, Kim, it's great to have you. We'd love to hear a little bit more. Can you share with us how you came to be working and helping the nonprofit sector push forward online? Oh, absolutely. Uh, my company has been creating programming for, gosh, a long time now. Let's just say I remember the floppy disk. Okay. It's been right. a while. We're there with you. <laughs> we, we remember those too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was just sort of a segue that when we first, when educational programming first started being something people did online, mm -hmm. the first groups to get on board with it um, tended to be nonprofit organizations like healthcare professionals, St. John Ambulance, Red Cross, those kinds of groups that mm -hmm. had mandates. We live in a really big country. Canada's like 3,000 kilometers wide. Wow. And online learning was a good way for them to take their training all over the place mm -hmm. with a reasonable amount of, you know, discomfort, <laughs> less plane travel. So that really, it was just organic that they are the group that most embraced what was the first real offering of my company. Wow. And so like you must find it that the changes with like things like Zoom and all that kind of jazz has made a big difference. I feel it has anyway, you know, and when yeah. Ireland, like we're, we are a much smaller country, but um, it's amazing that, you know, that it, it has evolved this way and it probably makes what you do a lot easier than you. Um, yes and no. Um, I now have a tickle trunk in my office, which I certainly did not have before Zoom. Um, there was a point in my life, I actually had my third child and none of my clients ever knew I was pregnant because people only talked to me on a phone. And so it was perfectly, it was not a big deal. Now, um, again, I have three lipstick in my top drawer. I have a little basket full of earrings. I have a tickle trunk full of scarves. So there's a little bit of theatrics that goes into all of the Zoom stuff. That I think is interesting. <laughs> yeah. But it is fun. 
Like it's interesting, actually, Kim, that the amount of I've noticed, for example, say content online when it comes to, for example, how to present via Zoom, how to properly manage a networking session via Zoom, any content that kind of with that type of messaging or learning or how to seems to be rapidly engaged with because exactly as, you, as you've shared there, there is a bit of a a theatric, you you still want to come across as professional, albeit through a virtual means as such. So um, it is it is very uh, it's very interesting, you know. I suppose that you still want to make that really good first impression on the screen, as if you were in person to a certain extent. Well, it's sort of real, but not real. Yeah. I have one gentleman I speak to all the time, and his background is the Starship Enterprise. Well. Wow. Mm. Exactly. Slightly disconcerting. Fun, but slightly disconcerting. <laughs> so it's sort of like reality, but not reality. Beam me up, Skim. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that. I feel like that most Fridays beam me up out of here. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, I just, I just think you know, um, if somebody had said to like even myself like eighteen months ago, you'd be doing all your sessions and training on Zoom, I would have mm. just thought, not a hope. Oh, no, it's really quite shocking. And in terms of how fast everyone's skill sets went up, um, oldest daughter is born in March, late March. So the very, when COVID first hit, we tried to do a Zoom birthday party for her. Mm. And I was staring at my father-in-law's nose hair for a large part. (laughs) (laughs) And and we had one family member that never managed to turn their audio on and just basically mimed for the entire 90-minute experience. So flash forward, less than two years. Like, that's not very long, really. Mm. And honestly, now everyone knows how to do this. What is the last time to remind somebody anything on zoom like we just we've become visual people it's really interesting yeah it, I, it kind of gets you to say look it's never too late to try mm. something new you know like you know if you have a maybe a, a charity that's not too sure about maybe going on you know instagram or you know twitter you can say listen give it a go you know uh, it's never too late to try and uh, if you're not in you can't win you know <laughs> Well, I also score extra points now when I say to a client, would you rather just talk on the phone? I mean, that is like the most priceless sentence that I can, the moment I say it, it's like I've given them a precious gift. So, you know, I guess there's value all the way around. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose. And I suppose as business owners, I think you raise an interesting point there that it's not to forget that when we do come out of lockdown, that Mm -hmm. the tools of the phone and the face-to-face meet and greet still very important, you know, because once again, on the phone, you don't have the visual reference of the person Mm -hmm. on the screen. So you need to listen, you know, that whole art of listening very intently. And Mm -hmm. it's what you're saying. Can you feel that it's resonating with the person at the end of the line, um, Mm -hmm. et cetera? Um, Something that I wanted to ask you, you Kim, like obviously COVID has affected every business globally and very much so charities, you know, the fundraising element, um, not being able to go out and shake a bucket at all, gone virtual, et cetera. Have you seen with your clients and the sector in, in Canada and I suppose wider afield, embracing the digital space to say raise funds and keep in touch with the community, grow the community, et cetera? Oh, absolutely. Um in all honesty, fundraising is not my shtick. I have tremendous respect for people who do it and the, the different platforms they use. And I certainly can help people integrate with those platforms, but it's not what I do. But I do find organization example. Um, I work with a few different chambers of commerce. Yeah. And my gosh, I mean, those are boots on the ground organizations. They thrive because they create a sense of community. What do you do when your entire business community shuts down for 18 months? You're a member-based organization. Yeah. So yeah. I did find that there were a number of nonprofit organizations that had previously sort of put everything online in a bucket. Over on one side, you have all the stuff we do and our great programs and blah, blah, blah. And then in the other thing, you have this little bucket. Here's our online course and here's our website and here's our social media. But COVID has really forced them to take that bucket 
and pour it all over everything else because it has made it abundantly clear that if you can't figure out how to do things online, you're just not going to make it, period. <laughs> I was going to say I would agree with you because, um, you know, at the moment, everybody has to be online and you have no choice. You know, even if people people's businesses are still starting to open up again, you still and, you know, as well for the, the nonprofit profit sector, you are going to sort of graduate out and back into the real world. But saying that, you know, it's your online presence is really, really key and you have to be consistent keeping it up. Um, I wanted to ask you in regard to that, how important is it to have a digital strategy, not just say for charities, but for any sector? Oh, absolutely. And I would almost place the argument that it's not we like that word, digital strategy, mm. um, where you probably appreciate people talk about their social media strategy as though it is this separate thing that lives yeah. in a jewelry box somewhere upstairs. And <laughs> it's you know way far away from all the other things. And it's really not how it works. So I would go so far as to say that the amount of time and attention that people have traditionally invested in their policies and their programs and their boots on the ground mm-hmm. locations... Um, your digital strategy has to be integrated with everything now. I don't even know. I, when people talk to me about digital strategy, I tend now to say, this is your business strategy, Yeah. period. <laughs> so just don't call it a digital. You just no, I, I, yeah, I think it's like social media. Social media somehow got pigeonholed as this separate thing that exists separate from everything else. You know, you have a great marketing plan and then you have a summer student who's doing your social media for you until they go back to school in September. <laughs> then you're gonna, yeah. And it this really, that doesn't work. So no. really, marketing right now, your, your presence has to be online. That does not mean you cannot exist in a physical space somewhere, but it means that if you do not exist online, you cannot thrive unless you are so, so small. I will use the example. If you have an automobile repair shop like Kevin on Coronation Street and all of your clients are going to come from your neighborhood, then you can keep doing your thing. But the majority of people on planet Earth are not Kevin from Coronation Street and everyone else needs to master online. And I have to say about Coronation Street, people come and go and then they come back again uh, and they might not even realize that your business is still open or it's closed because of COVID. I, I believe Kevin's yeah. gone under a few times. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he might be returning. All right, Sally. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you're, you're, you're spot on, Kim, because I think what myself and Emer have noticed is that, and it may have been more pronounced because of COVID, but the, there's sort of been almost like a, an epidemic of, everyone living in a social digital bubble, Mm, mm. you know, we all have to be on TikTok and get the Instagram reels and the local, the local, local press and stuff has been forgotten about, or, you know, maybe the the virtual networking, maybe, uh, no, no, we don't, don't worry about that. Let's just a hundred percent focus on social. Whereas Mm. it is still just another communication tactic to bolt on to don't forget your, your other kind of main areas that you're, customers want to deal with like we've seen over here email starting to come back to popularity yeah. and i think that's a good thing because you own that audience to a certain extent um as opposed to just building everything on the social channels and then suddenly an algorithm change here or there and you may lose access or get even more reduced access to your audience so i think that's a, a valid point you know yeah. you remember i mean not to simplify things but i remember when the great fear was that the internet was going that remember the little Kobo readers, everybody was going to read everything online and books were Mm. going to be a thing of the past. And um, but what we actually have discovered is that the internet has actually led to a flurry in publishing. Mm. (laughs) There's, there are more books published than there ever were because you have self-publishing, you have all kinds of different ways. Um, You have an increased popularity in, Mm -hmm. in actual hardcover books Mm. So there's there's always room. It's not either or. People get very panicked to get the new shiny bubble and they actually forget about the classic pieces hanging in the closet that are always going to be there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Like I suppose a good segue on from, from that, Kim, is 
you know, many businesses, nonprofits, I think this affects every mm. sort of industry is kind of, I suppose, suffer from overwhelm, you know, trying to be on every channel because of that term FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. Like, you know, if a client approaches you where they feel, oh, we better be here, we better be there. Do you sort of, how do you kind of calm them down and get them to say, listen, get back to some grassroots, take a deep breath and focus on maybe these two channels, but don't forget about what you've been doing over here. Well, I usually start, I have a couple different ways of doing that. So the first thing we do is go back to your ideal client, your audience, your member, this person that you are going on social to connect with. Um, like almost the dating thing, you know, if you want to meet the sort of man who hangs out in a bar, go to a bar. <laughs> if that is not the Yeehaw! man, do not try to, <laughs> that is all it will not end well. So yeah. this is the same philosophy. If your ideal client, if you are, for example, an organization that deals primarily with, if all of your members are business owners, mm. And they are mostly middle-aged or older. Mm-hmm. You really do not need to be succeeding at TikTok. Yeah. I like that. I like the sign of that. There. Mm-hmm. So you are now officially going to a party where none of the people you want to meet are at. Yeah. You know, I live in a city. I can go online. There's this website that lists all the networking things going on. And pre-COVID, I could go there and on any given day, there'd be a hundred networking things happening in my city. Mm-hmm. I did not go to a networking event every day. Why would I? I have no clients in Nova Scotia. No one who pays me money lives in the province I live in. One person. Wow. <laughs> so, right. That's, that's so, interesting. Right. What a tremendous waste of time it would be for me to run around tooting my horn. Exactly. These rooms. Yeah. I think when you start out, you have to kind of nearly go to the opening of every envelope. But then after that, you've got to, as you say, where is your ideal client? What platforms are they on? What kind of content would engage them? And how can you speak to them? And also, what do you have for time and energy? Mm. Because yeah. all platforms are not created equal. No. Um, you know, Instagram. Look, if you can't own that, get the hell away from it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't be don't be there halfway. So we do the audience insight. But then another thing I sort of lean into with with nonprofits, they do have that FOMO. Absolutely. Mm. They'll they'll want to show me an organization that is, quote unquote, everywhere. So a lot of times if they show me the organization that they believe is everywhere, um, I'm amazed. I would say the vast majority of the time when I actually go to analytics sites and I gather up all of the data from Mm -hmm. all of these sites that their amazing everywhere group is on, it's generally abysmal, like quite abysmal. Even when they have high follower counts, they will have the most ridiculously low engagement rates, like they barely have a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Um, So usually what I will try to get people to do is say, hey, what's an organization like, kind of like yours, but you think you just love them on Twitter or you just love their Instagram feed or you, you know, show me something you really love. And again, the majority of the time, you will find that that brand that you really love, they are owning two or maybe three spaces. They are not owning 10. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So, put it this way, you wouldn't get much else done if you were on every channel, you know. Well, and they, Right. And, there, and you dilute yourself. You absolutely do dilute yourself when you go to all these different platforms, because you have to keep in mind that you don't have to necessarily be the most amazing Instagram account, mm-hmm. but my gosh, if you only post something on Instagram as a brand once every three or four months and every single time it's a motivational quote, I mean, you look like you're half dead. You, you, mm, yeah, <laughs> terrible effect. As my mother would say, do it right or not at all. Yes. Yeah. And, and by the way, with social, maybe it's going to take you a little time to mm. do it right. Yeah. And so you need to give yourself the other thing you can do is you can always stretch out. So, for example, I I really stuck to Twitter and in LinkedIn for quite a mm-hmm. long time. I mean, I'm B2B. LinkedIn is where my people are. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Gabby Maritimer. Mm-hmm. So Twitter is a natural fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I really only sort of started playing with Instagram about six or seven months ago. I'm not hating it. I'm getting better at it. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, slowly but surely. And then a few I've kind of gone and looked at and thought, nope, 
I'm just never going to be there. That is never going to be me. So that's okay. I can live with that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You can't be on everything. You can't do it all. And you have to focus. Uh, It's a bit like building a a business or a charity, you know, Um, because as I said, if you go too thin, you know, people are going to see through it and you're not going to be, you know, the type of person or business or organization to follow because people are not going to feel that you're on their wavelength. You're just posting for the sake of posting. You're not maybe taking the time out to engage back because you don't have the time to engage back because you're on 10 different platforms. Also, engagement rates don't lie. One great thing about social media is that they have the best analytics. Wow, Mm -hmm. it's impressive. And mm. there are a million sites that let you peek into other people's social media analytics. That's not complicated either. So I find when I'm trying to persuade an organization to take their foot off the gas and just focus a little bit more, it's often very reassuring to them when I pull up analytics and I can show them where some of these organizations that are stretched super thin are not beating them. They're not accomplishing anything. It's just a mirage and everyone can just relax. And everyone's much more happy, honestly. Once you know you're not missing out, you relax. So, uh, so f- no, I've no fear of missing out, as I say, when it comes to TikTok, Philip. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. Well, well, you did try it. You did try it. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did one video and I was kind of going, what in the name of God am I doing here? Let well, me go back over to Instagram Reels. <laughs> oh, yeah. And look at you now. God yeah. save us, you know. Actually, things that people do that I, I mean, I remember when everyone was making was doing live videos in their yeah. car. They were almost always in their car. I don't know what it was about sitting in the front seat. Yeah. Yeah. Of, right. But there they were in the worst lighting. It was just so horrible. Like it was it was like watching tiny car accidents that you couldn't stop. I'm always looking to see yeah. what kind of car are they driving. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. And I'm like, are they what, are they in a fast food place? Like it's 10 a.m. What are we Yeah, 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 yeah. What are um, you wearing? Oh my God. <laughs> it must be really cold out there, you know? So. And at the time, the advice, I'm sure, the advice that people kept giving them, just be real, just be authentic, just be genuine. Mm. No. Stop that. Stop yeah. that. No. Like you're you are presenting yourself in a professional space. So um, I mean, if you're a stand-up comic, okay, maybe like that may mm-hmm. work for Amy Schumer, but but for the amount of money that I expect people to pay me by the hour, mm-hmm. I do not want a picture of myself in a Burger King drive-through rambling aimlessly about my thoughts on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I would have to say is start as you mean to go on. If you're in the B2B sphere, you have to be in the surroundings that actually is relevant to your, you know, ideal audience because they're going to like come on board with you because they go, they actually look like they know what they're talking about. They, this, you know, they're in the environment they should be in all that kind of thing. Where if, as if you're not, and it doesn't match, you're going to look less credible. And moving Absolutely. forward, that's and why Philip's never on his bike. He's never on his bike when he's doing his reels. Here's, here's the other thing that you will notice is that, you know, social isn't real. It's a piece of you. It's an, And there's nothing, I, I am in no way fake. Uh, for okay. example, on Twitter, I'm not, I don't profess thing, opinions I don't have. I don't mm-hmm. say things that I disagree with. Um, but I also don't reveal my entire self. So for mm. example, on Twitter, I'll often talk about my teen. I'll talk about my hubby, but I don't mm. often give them names. Um, I'll take pictures of a great meal that we made and share that on my more professional Instagram. But the picture of us all sitting around the table eating that meal, I'm mm. probably just going to text mm-hmm. to my in-laws and some family and friends. I'm yeah. probably not going to put that there. It That's okay. I mean, yeah. there's nothing wrong about that. I will. I try to stay away from politics. I try to stay away from certain, it's not that it's not that I avoid it. And Mm -hmm. if something is significant, I will have an opinion about it, but it's not the place to rant and it's not the place to reveal yourself completely. And I also feel that a lot of these kind of, oh my gosh, I don't want to say older because that sounds terrible, but I think that a lot of the people say 30 and up Mm -hmm. are doing a lot of these live things and maybe not getting a great result. They are misunderstanding 
I have seen my teen make a video for Instagram. This is not authentic. There are seven lights set up in her bedroom. Her and her friends prepped themselves for 20 minutes for this. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. fake, folks. It's fake. That's- that's yeah. why I am the nervous video gal because I keep saying, no, no, maybe tomorrow because I just don't want to come across, like, you know, have it's like too much like hard work, you know? Um, <laughs> I was just going to say very quickly on that point, um, I read only the other day that uh, Norway have actually, either they've passed it or they're looking to pass legislation whereby influencers Mm. on social have to say that their photograph that they're posting has mm. been um, tweaked or has a, a filter on it or something. That's really good. Um, in order to combat, you know, all of this right. sort of um, mm. self kind of deprecation and looking at each other and kind of uh, sharing kind of what would be completely unattainable, you mm-hmm. know, because it's well, all... Com- here's so, a funny joke. So I... Uh, you know, I, I mean, I think everybody, to some extent, if they take a photo and they're going to share it, they maybe they adjust the colors. It's more a reflection of not being able to take a great photo than it is yeah. an attempt to Photoshop yourself. But I actually did have a very, very funny one. I can't even remember the app, but it was some sort of an app that you put on and you could, you know, you could remove freckles and moles and make yourself look quite lovely. And I used it two or three times and thought, my God, this is amazing. I am literally turning back time. Fantastic. <laughs> And then I posted this one photo and I had a friend call me and I thought it was the funniest thing anyone has ever said to me on the phone. She calls, she's like, um, I don't mean to disturb you or anything, but um, your breasts are missing. And I said, excuse me, what? <laughs> that's what I said. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I realized that in this photo I, that I had posted somewhere, I was wearing sort of a V-neck sweater and not to over reveal, but I'm a relatively busty woman. I mean, there's something there. And I had done this weird thing to get rid of, you know, any lines, blemishes, freckles, moles, anything on my chest because it looks so lovely and smooth. I essentially eliminate it. The little line that runs between your boobs that you see when you wear a V-neck. Wow. <laughs> and, and I guess, I mean, I didn't, I didn't notice. I posted it. And this friend of mine, I didn't notice till I went back and looked at it, but it was an odd effect. Because if you've ever seen a mannequin in a store window, it was yeah. like that kind of a look. Like my, I looked, I looked fake from weirdly enough, the neck down. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you were fake. That was a I fake. Think, yeah. so <laughs> I, I, I must be honest, be really cautious about that stuff because, yeah. and by the way, this was a younger friend. I'm not sure that people, I don't mean to make everything so age oriented, but I do think that there's a certain naivete that sometimes um, the older you are, the more apt you are, strangely enough, to look at that picture and go, wow, that person looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really not how, like, if the younger you are, the more you're apt you are to say, oh, that's really good use of whatever this app is. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's the thing, you know, like sometimes I, I concern because I have a couple of teens and uh, they can, you know, be looking at things and thinking, God, I want to look like that person. And you feel like saying, that's not reality. I'm not as worried about the teens. I find my team, I find my team very skeptical. Um, my, my, all of my girls are fairly skeptical and they don't like a lot of filters. They mm-hmm. don't even like, I used to call this one, was it, is a marrow? You put the Amero filter on, it makes everything look a little brighter. <laughs> Mayfair is a whole I row. will have to look that up. <laughs> it's a whole row of filters that you add in your photos when you're kind of prepping them to post them on um, Instagram mm-hmm. and they're just little filters you put on. I used to really love them because I thought they made everything look a little bit more interesting, but younger folks don't really like any of those filters. Yeah. And, you know, ten, I, I think the bigger fear is actually a, more that middle age range where they're, they're in it, but they're not as savvy about it. Same way. You know what? Growing up, I knew every time I watched an ad, right? I yeah. watched TV, I knew when I was watching an ad, that's when I get up and went to the bathroom. It's when I got something in the fridge. But I remember my dad watching the ads. He always watched the ads. I think we're we've turned into those people. We're not we're not seeing through everything. But I think the younger groups are. And actually, go circle in conversation. I think it's one of the reasons that you need to be very conscious about your social media and that you need to socialize. Because if as a brand or as an organization, if all you're putting out there is you know, you're just, you're just posting ads, basically, 
you're going to have a hard time engaging and you're especially going to have a hard time engaging with younger audiences. They're they're going to see your feed as the equivalent of the commercial on TV years ago. That's when they're going to click away and go get something to eat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Very true. Um, I was going to ask you, like, you know, we were talking about being fake and everything else um, because sometimes people can't tell the difference between what's real and what's fake, even, you know, although they do say, oh, this is, you know, there's a filter on this, as you said, Philip, or, you know, um, I have to say the social media channels have come under the microscope to be better at tackling, you know, not the nicest of content, you know, anything that's a bit poisonous or fake news, as they say, which we all agree with. I have to say I do, especially because, you know, um, my teenagers, I have like, well, I have one who's turning 13 um, and I always kind of concern myself because they're all, you know, online looking at this, that and the other, you know, I have things in place. But anyway, um, but do you feel that in every strategy there is room to show personality and not to shy away from any controversial topics, would you say, Kim? Oh, my God. Absolutely. So, of course, you know, first I'll tell you one thing and then I'll tell you the other. Okay. Um, <laughs> forget everything I already said. Go back to being really real. Uh, again, there is a difference between oversharing mm-hmm. and, in fact, coming across as just maybe a, just a little naive versus being so structured that that you are plastic, and it's called social media for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's not a billboard. No. <laughs> it's an exchange. And if all you do is post, mm-hmm. particularly if your posts are all very professional, like iStock type things, or even your website, you go to the website and it's just iStock photography, bland photography from one end to the other end. Mm-hmm. Um, that really doesn't, people don't have an interest in it. It's not interesting. There's no other way to say it. It's simply not interesting. So at some point, you absolutely have to have an opinion about something. And there's no shame in it. You just need to have some rules built around it. So I always recommend for organizations that you need a social media policy. You should encourage the people that work with you and collaborate with Mm -hmm. you to share and talk about your brand, but tell them up front what the rules are. So that they are not, you don't, don't wait till you have a disaster. If you, if you're just clear about it, if you say, well, I'm sorry, like just no political opinions, for example, that's a perfectly fair thing to say. I would agree because, you know, you could end up getting into some sort of turmoil online and there's no way out of it. So I I would agree. No, no don't be, don't be vanilla. You can be a bit chocolate sometimes and a little bit strawberry if you want to say, you know, like all I'm saying is that if you just need to tell people what the rules are. And I do feel that sometimes particularly larger nonprofits, they're so afraid of Mm. this reputation management, whatever they call it. They're so afraid of it that they end up not having any personality at all. There's because they're not spontaneous enough. Yeah. If something happens and it takes you three weeks to comment on it, or the other one that is so frightening, I'm sure you must have seen a lot of this when COVID first hit in the first wave. I did anyway. Um, Organizations that didn't know what else to do. So they just kept auto posting, like this sort of business as usual thing. So there would be, you know, you're in the middle of a pandemic and you're still seeing posts where they're talking about the fun of networking. Or can't wait to see you all at this. Like they, like what? <laughs> it yeah. They're not, so they're not they with it. They're not it with it. So obvious that they weren't really there. Yeah, they're not, they're not actually sort of like saying, "Look, we're acknowledged the situation." They're just hoping for the best and posting for the best, but they're not doing their best. But they're not really there. Like that's yeah. the whole idea. That it is it is social media. So to not be present in the moment, in the timeliness of the day, mm-hmm. really is the kiss of death. You you can post motivational quotes, but you can't just post motivational quotes, or that makes you no more interesting than the pillow on your grandmother's sofa. I mean, it's- There you go, Philip. Yeah, she's not interesting <laughs> at all. You know, see those cushions, I tell you. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's so true, though, because we definitely noticed it over here, Kim, that when when businesses realized or the reality hit that suddenly those businesses that actually started to employ 
real sense of community and empathy and mm-hmm. reaching out within their social to say if anyone needs help or we can help anybody how can we be of service suddenly those businesses started to really get engagement and thrive mm-hmm. because people realized or recognized that you know you know they're not trying to sell they're trying to support and help and help their community as best they can and rally around other businesses. Yeah. And I think that's been a huge learning curve, I think, for a lot of businesses is that, you know, rather than jumping on it being this big sales opportunity, this was a a time to go back to real business ethics and be supportive, connect, collaborative, and exactly as you say, use social to properly socially engage and create community you know, which was so Absolutely. key. Like if on one side of this, we have this terrible habit of being, it's like a teeter-totter, yeah. you know, we just keep going up and down and up. And as you, if you recall teeter-totters, by the way, it's a little nauseating on the way up and mm. you generally bang your arse on the ground on the way down. So yeah. it's not that much fun. It's actually often more fun to kind of, I remember I always was the kid who stood in the middle of the teeter-totter and just balanced. I always thought that was just way more fun to be doing. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, <laughs> You're way ahead of your years. Flash <laughs> yeah, forward to my life. So on one end, you have this very crafted brand that just sort of reeks of the 1980s that's very sometimes out of touch because it can't pivot fast enough, because it's not agile, because it doesn't come across as real. It's just too thought out, too prepackaged, too planned. Then on the other side, as sometimes happens with grassroots organizations or solopreneurs or small businesses, you have this you know, quick live video you made in your car, which mm-hmm. doesn't do any justice. But right in between, right in between those two things, there is absolutely a sweet spot. An example would be, let us say that you as the owner or as a leader, so make a video. Don't make it live. Give yourself a moment to edit out that moment when you coughed or accidentally looked like you picked your nose or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Just make a video of just you talking to people and tell them something, tell them something you believe, something that's important. Give yourself the time and space to tweak it a little bit. There's no shame in editing. Hmm. And she, a friend of mine and her, uh, her name is Marie Claire Bayard. She is a uh, videographer. She said, when you're doing any kind of video and, and you're not sure what to sort of visualize, get a picture of somebody you'd want to throw a dart at. <laughs> 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 but I'm thinking, hmm, I know somebody like that. <laughs> and, um, or, you know, she says, get a photo of someone that you're comfortable with, really. And she said, talk to them, you know, put the picture up in front of the camera or behind the phone and pretend you're talking to them. And then that way you feel like you're not alone and you're actually talking to someone. Well, oh, that's a good one. There you go. I, um, I do some coaching. So mm. it's generally with, it's very, it's a very discreet service. So essentially, if you are the CEO of a company, you're a little worried that your digital skills aren't what they should be. Mm-hmm. You can get me to come in and all I do is basically sit in the corner even on a Zoom call, you won't see me. And then afterwards, you ask me questions about what just went on and I help you unravel that. So then you come back looking pretty smart. And mm. thank you. One of the things that I've sort of picked up from doing a lot of this is that sometimes in a moment, people feel an almost spontaneous need to say something smart, to add input simply because someone else added input. Mm-hmm. And on social, sometimes... That leads us to post. It leads to like this obsessive posting, but it can be more impactful to actually comment on other people's posts and allow them to take the forward step. Do you know what I mean? You, yeah. you still, you're still participating in conversations, but sometimes those conversations can sometimes be much, much bigger. An example is um, a number of different small chambers of commerce engaging in a conversation on a social platform will often spur higher engagement rates on each one of their feeds than any of those organizations just making a series of posts. Like it's a, you want the the conversation. Well, I mean, this, for example, this podcast, the fun part is that there's three people. Yeah. 
that's the fun part. That's what makes this more interesting. No, that's that's actually the relief because otherwise I'm sitting here talking to him all day. And, uh... <laughs> Listen, just tell the nation and the world that it's my photo you have in the back of your phone. You're talking, all right? <laughs> Shh, don't be telling them. <laughs> it's one of the things that I do. I tell people all the time. The thing about social is once you lean into the social part of it, mm. it A, becomes more fun, more relaxing, more authentic, and frankly, a heck of a lot easier. It is very hard to carry a monologue. It is easier to participate in a conversation. So I even totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. If you want to really get better at a social media platform, don't go in with guns a blazing trying to show the world how brilliant you are. It can come across as quite preachy. Go a little, go with a different thing. Go heartfelt. Go, you know, that's all I'm saying. Go heartfelt, go with, wow, that's a great idea you just had, or I'm sharing this guy's whatever because it was really well worded. And that stuff will really help you build volume quickly. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. On your, If you're on your own all the time, it's kind of a bit lonely, you know? So uh, yeah, that's why I can, I'm so relieved to have social media comedian on every week with me. <laughs> Yeah, Filippo Twyforty. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Kim, this has been, a, I really, we've really enjoyed this this chat with you. We are kind of incredibly starting to kind of come towards the close. Um, we have time for, I suppose, two kind of final wrap-up questions to Ooh. ask you. Um, the first one is the eternal social media question of hashtags. You know, um, they create an awful lot of confusion with a lot of business, and I'm sure you've seen it with the with the, the nonprofits. You know, what are your thoughts on advice and advice um, on the use of hashtags on, on the social channels? Oh, just just for gosh sakes, let's just chill out about the hashtags. Um, yeah. I love emojis. Love a good emoji. Um, love a GIF or a GIF, depending on how you want to say it. I go a GIF. Me too. Thank yeah, you. I, I say Thank GIF, you. yeah. Yes, power in there. Let's just get rid of these GIF people. They've just, no. Yeah. Um, G- GIF's a cleaning, it's for cleaning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. I know. <laughs> I do think that hashtags on people are overthinking this. I have mm-hmm. seen that maybe on Instagram, Instagram still seems to be a place, but don't even worry about it. I I would say on Twitter, for example, I probably only use a hashtag or maybe one out of every dozen posts. Mm-hmm. So do you really, in today's world, do you go searching for a lot of things via hashtag? Because I don't. No. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and I've asked a million people, even marketers. There are, I have sat in meeting rooms full of people trying to come up with what I think is incredibly funny. We need a brand hashtag. Do you? It's like having a shoe when you've only got two feet. You don't need three shoes. Like you have a brand, you have a logo, you have all these things. You can't even copyright a hashtag. Hmm. So you come up with this brilliant hashtag and tomorrow somebody else jumps on it and it's gone. Yeah, like, that's a fair just, point. Just relax about them. They're overdone. They're overwrought. They're overused. And I actually think they're sinking in popularity, except on certain places like Instagram, where People do still look on Instagram using hashtags. Yeah, right? well, they would yeah. follow follow a certain hashtag. You know, um, I, yeah. I, 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 I gets me is when somebody maybe cross promotes from Instagram to Facebook, and you know it, and you go, "Why have you got thirty hashtags on Facebook?" Yeah. Oh, yeah. Facebook, Facebook. There's no point. Like, what are you doing? Well, first of all, there's nothing's happening on Facebook, and like, unless Mark Zuckerberg picks your spot and does something's magical. I mean, mm-hmm. Facebook. Or a horrible, horrible place. Um, but the rest of the sites, just leave it on Instagram. And TikTok, I do believe it works on TikTok. But think about if you are on a social media site, how are you finding interesting things to follow? How are you doing it? And if you are really doing it with hashtags, okay, maybe you're making a good argument. But I don't think most people are. So if it's not how you navigate around a certain platform, don't worry about it. Yeah. And, you you know, as I say, I think it's more into your content than your hashtags. And uh, and I think people should realize, you know, don't sweat about that because there's other things in the world that are far more important. Actually, talking of things that are important, do you have any projects coming up 
uh, or any more fun stories to share with us, um, Kim. And um, as we always say to everyone that comes on the show, this went too fast. And if people want to find out more about you, where would you like us to send them to? Well, okay. So you can follow me on Twitter or on Instagram Mm -hmm. at Kim Scaravelli, S-C-A-R-A-V-E-L-L-I. Yes, it's a handle, but you know, once you get it once, you'll get it every time. It's phonetic, weirdly enough. Um, I love new Twitter followers. I mean, I honestly do. I just think it's the most fun platform for just doing their own thing, kind of getting an Instagram. Um, I'm actually Mm -hmm. my first book. It's called Playing With Words. And well done. Congratulations. Thank you. It should be out and about by around middle of October. Perfect Christmas gift. Oh, tag us. Tag us. Tag us. Anybody who writes online content, because that's the whole idea. It's really about how to write online, mm-hmm. which is pretty much the same and yet completely different as yep. writing anywhere else. And uh, yeah, so that's my big news. And oh, 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 I do have to share a joke though, because I made this whole list of what I thought were like just the most dad jokes ever, right? Cool. Bring it on, Kim. Yeah, are you ready? I'm ready. ready for this one? Go for it. Okay. I made a joke about organic reach on Facebook. Nobody got it. <laughs> hey, Thank there you, you go. I, I also had uh, bad marketers are antisocial. And they are. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And here's my favorite. Why did the marketer take up tap dancing? She wanted to get paid per click. Boom. Hey. I have to say, I think you've outdone yourself, Kim, there. Yeah. And uh, Philip, uh, you took a week off. Can you come back next week? Yeah. Welcome <laughs> to Let's Get Social with Kim Scaravelli and Emer Duffy. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. I know. Uh, we wouldn't do it to you. We wouldn't do it okay, to you. Okay. <laughs> Um, Kim, listen, it has been a pleasure speaking to you. This is my first uh, time, obviously, uh, talking to you. So it's been fantastic. Lovely to meet you. Yeah, it's been so refreshing because, you know, you, you kind of get, because I, as I said, I saw you, you know, loads of times on Twitter and I'm going, God, she's got the greatest jokes. Sorry, Philip, she does. And I <laughs> said, I wonder would she come and share a few with us today? Yeah. You know, my view, if it makes my father-in-law laugh. Yeah. I post it because I think he has the worst sense of humor of anyone I know. So, uh, but, but, <laughs> so I figure, Hey, if it hits him, I'm doing it. It's a dad joke. It's official. <laughs> well, do you know what? Life's too short and let the dad jokes roll. I can't believe I'm saying it, but you know what? <laughs> it's Friday. Stay, I, I, you know, stay, stay tuned. huh? Yeah. Yeah. You better up your game next week. Twyford. I will. I will. Uh, <laughs> be, before, uh, before we let you go, Kim, I did, tell this other joke to another guest um it's a pirate joke that you may like um what is a, a, a pirate's favorite social media type of content i do not know a webinar <laughs> <laughs> it's just really bad <laughs> i think i think the pub's open now okay <laughs> Right. No. Well, on that uh, on that moment of crickets and, uh, and yes. everything else, all I have to say is if you enjoyed today's show, you can catch it again. And the other show is on the Let's Get Social Show podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and of course on the Dublin South FM website. So please do download and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And all the stuff to say is I've been Philip Twyford, the Curly Marketer. And I've been Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media. And we'll see you again soon for more Let's Get Social. See you then. Bye.